Hey, it's Sarah. Right now, we're listening in as Rodney takes a tour of Dilapa, a prized example of how circular economy principles come to life for tourism in the Netherlands. Come with me. It's located in Friesland, about 90 minutes drive from Amsterdam. The property is an old farm with a canal running through it that's been rebuilt for the business events market. It's designed in a way where the benefits of nature can really enrich creativity for urban dwellers. My name is Linda Limburg and we're at De Lape in Friesland. At De Lape it's not only the buildings that are built sustainable and uh, circular, it's also the terrain. So around the whole terrain there are little bug hotels, I think you call them. Bug hotel, okay. <laughs> You've never heard of it? I've never heard of a bug hotel. Oh, well, this is a bug hotel. <laughs> it's for insects and mouses can live there and birds. Yeah, I like that you put a roof on it to keep yeah. them dry. Too. <laughs> keep them dry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take you to the greenhouses. And the idea behind the greenhouse is we're in nature. And if you're in the greenhouse, you're still in nature, but with a roof, with walls. Because if it rains here <laughs> and it's windy, so if you're in the greenhouse, it's nice and warm. The temperature here is just from the sun of today. What does this space get used for? It's for the business market. So brainstorms, multiple day events, because people can also stay overnight here. Just business meetings. This used to be chicken and sheep farm. So the greenhouses are in the contours of the old chicken sheds. So this used to be a chicken shed and that also. It was empty for a long time and it needed to be converted to something that could be used again. And now it's used for the business market. So we collect the rainwater from the roof and it's also a natural filter. So the rainwater would be also filtered through the roof. And we catch it in really big tanks of 7,500 liters, I think. And we flush the toilets with it. The drums that you collect the rainwater in, are they all underneath? No, there are two. So each greenhouse has its own tank and it runs with pipes to okay. one and the same tank. And if the tank is full, it runs to the water behind you. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And all built relatively sustainable and all rebuilt recently. Yes, it's all reused. We won't throw anything away. So we store everything because there's always a new place for it. So on this episode of Travel Beyond, we headed north to Friesland in the Netherlands, a region where circular economy principles are really gaining traction. And they're one of the few regional DMOs who have signed the Glasgow Declaration. In this episode, we're going to dive into how sustainability is part of their DNA, how that relates to the larger plan for the Netherlands, and speak to two experts who are passionate about making this little corner of Europe a little better for residents and visitors alike. Now, circular economy is a term you might be hearing about a little more lately, but to get a better sense of the value it can bring to tourism and hospitality, Rodney sat down with Hanukkah Schmank of Circular Friesland. I'm Hanukkah Schmank and I work for Circular Friesland. What is Circular Friesland? Circular Friesland is an association in Friesland from governmental organizations, entrepreneurs, and knowledge institutions who are working together to make Friesland more circular. So within Circular Friesland, you have a very specific focus. 
what's your role? My role especially make connections by uh, what's going on in Circular Friesland. Like we have a major program on bio-based building. How can farmers do several other things, rebuild for isolation materials? And I try to connect it to the hospitality sector. What are the investments and the innovations you can use in the hospitality sector? I'm working now two years on the projects and Circular Friesland started in 2016. There were about uh, 20, 25 entrepreneurs who said, if we want to go to a circular system, we need each other. We need to cooperate more. And they developed, and the association developed now to 130 people and associations, which also includes the governmental organization, all the knowledge institutes. We call it triple helix. I'm not sure that's a common word, but we need each other. If we want to change the system, we need to cooperate on, on several levels with each other. And I try to connect the hospitality sector to it. Circular is a big word with a lot of definitions, but in Friesland we take a broad approach of it. That we say it's a way to make a sustainable world together. And we design or we base it on the seven pillars of circular economy. And what are those pillars? The pillars are material, flows connected, uh, water, energy, human beings, sustainability of health, biodiversity, cultural inheritance, and also that, I don't know the English word for it, but that you see money as a way to do the good things. Earning money is necessary. You need a good business model to be circular, but it's not to do it only to get more money for yourself. It's to do good things with it. When a lot of people hear the word circular economy, they probably think about materials and reducing waste, but you think a lot more broadly about it. Yeah, it's a big part of it, reduce of waste. It's, it's a big thing, but it's also, the thing is if you like, like energy, if we focus only on energy and forget all the rest, we are making the next problem. So you have to look at integral in a broad approach. Otherwise, if you only focus on material flows and make that excellent, and don't think about biodiversity or energy or people who are living there, you're creating the next problem. Collaboration is a really important theme as we think about new ways of living and connecting with each other, can you talk about why that's important? More than in a linear system, you need each other. If, if, a, if a product of a service is end of life, you, you need to do something with it. So you have to, at the beginning, start, have to think, oh, what are we going to do it at the end of life? So you need to collaborate more to make the circle connected and get it in a, in a circular way. And that's why it's, it's more important if you make a product in the linear economy, you try to sell your product and then you think, forget about it. I don't want to see it ever again. But now you have to recollect it and do smart things with it. So you need a lot of people uh, involved. Can you tell us a little bit about where we're sitting and where we're talking and the lab and the space that we're in? Yeah, the lab is in a uh, uh, place in Friesland, in the middle of Friesland. It's an old uh, farm get the bulldozer through it, and that's the end of the old farm. And they rebuilt the whole thing on a really circular way, not only materials, but also uh, the biodiversity. And uh, it's really thought through in the whole area, ground. They have their own grocery, they grow products they use in their menus for the visitors. The toilets are flushed by rainwater. So they really thought it over, how can we do it on a more circular way? I know one of the uh, important things behind the vision for the lab is to help people leave changed and yep. to leave a little bit educated. Yeah. You work in the hospitality sector, helping to think about how the circular economy applies to tourism. What do you think the opportunity is for tourism in the circularity economy? 
as you mentioned, it is a great opportunity because in the hospitality branch, we're not really making stuff. So in the circular economy, we're not one of those chain partners. But it's incredibly important to get people experience of new materials, new ways of life. And if they experience it, they bring this new experience with them to home. So if they stay, for example, in a bio-based building and they experience the, the inside climate, what it's doing to them, and they have to rebuild their own building at home, I'm sure they will think it over. And the, and the good thing, if you're on your holiday time, you're more open for new experiences. While at home, you're busy with your kids, with your work, you're not uh, interested in it. But on a holiday time, you think, oh, well, that's interesting. I, I would like to know more about it. And how has the hospitality sector sort of received the circular direction? Are they embracing it? Are they interested? Yeah, it was a bit of work, I must be honest. But I think that's the, the good thing in Friesland. We work really together. So we have the TAF, Tourism Alliance Friesland, who is working with entrepreneurs. So they are telling them, oh, are you working on it? Maybe I have something interesting for you. Go to Circular Friesland, go to Hanneke and ask what's going on. We've got Merck Friesland, who is really promoting Friesland. And, and all together, we try to reach all the several players in the field and try to connect them. The, the good thing is that uh, Brand Friesland, uh, we call it Merck Friesland, also has a sustainable program. But it's really adapted to the way we work with the action plan Circular Hospitality. They also try on the seven pillars, what can we do and how can we brand Friesland on the way and make it more work. And one of the things with entrepreneurs, but also campaigns, how you show it to your visitors, what they can do. And one of the things is what we are really working on, what's really tricky, that in the Visit Wadde, which is the branding organization for the Wadde area, how can we visitors attend to more sustainable opportunities in that area? So it's quite a challenge to show that the entrepreneurs who are really doing well, but sometimes too polite, too shy, they don't shout it from the roof what they actually should do. And they say, oh, it's normal. And I said, oh, no, it's not normal. It's quite incredible what you're doing. So please show it to us, to your visitors, so they can know it. Do you have a good example of how a business has embraced some aspects of the circular economy? Yeah, we have several projects to uh, set entrepreneurs on a different level of thinking. And one of them is, is CircoTrack. It's a three days track where we help to redesign a circular model in the organization. And there was one entrepreneur and he really wanted to change his decks. What is the most sustainable thing I can put in there? And he said, hold on, there's something going out. And what are you doing with it? And he said, I'm just the organization who brings it in, takes it with him. I said, that's too easy. Because probably the wood on the waterline is probably rotten, but below and above, it's probably still good wood. Can you do something else with it? So that was his homework in this track to think it over. What are you going to do with it? And finally, he came back and said, that's quite a good question of you because we took it all out. We sold some of building wood, burning wood, and also we gave it to some organization to use it in the gardens. And it saved him about 8,000 euros for the organization who had to bring it out. So it saves him money in his whole project. But also it made him thinking of another way of what is going on in my organization. And that's what we remark in all the projects we're doing. We also help entrepreneurs to, uh, come to get the green key certificates, which is quite a bit of a paperwork and entrepreneurs are not really wanted to do that sometimes. So we make it nicer and easier. It's a really good example. It's such a simple example that we often think so much about using more sustainable materials or goods and we think less about where things are going and if they still have some use left in their life. 
also there's still a lot of food waste in restaurants. And of course, we are looking a lot of them. How can you reduce it? Can you change your menu card or can you do a different buying to reduce your waste? But you always keep waste. And one of the organizations, he was also in the mindset, how can I do different? And he collected now in a sort of small biodigester. His food waste from the kitchen leftovers is going in there. They make their own gas out of it. And they used to do the laundry in their own company. And they still have digestivate and they use it in their garden. To which they also make flowers and they put it on the table. And they bring this story to their guests and they're always surprised. So actually the flowers are growing on your own food waste. When I hear you talk, I hear you talk about a lot of benefits for thinking differently and doing things differently. Do you often say that small changes in one area actually lead to a cascade of benefits? I think if you focus on what's going wrong and we can't change it, we're never going to change it. So I set the goal high. We want to be circular, but we have to make small changes already to, to, to get ourselves on to do a different way. And I think if you make it uh, smart and practical, the entrepreneur is willing to do it and the customer as well. If you make it smart and practical, he wants to join it and make the difference. I really like the way that you describe the travel experience as a way to experience new ways of living and doing things. Do you think we have to travel across the world for that to be true? That's a tricky one because on one hand to say because of sustainability, no, stay closer. But on the other hand, if I look at my own life, the experience I have abroad has made me the person I am now. I've seen different ways, different lifestyles and also see some less nice things. So it, it made me as a person. I think if you only stay in your own comfortable zone and you don't experience it, it's making more impact in your mind. So you're not willing to change a lot of things. I would suggest everybody to travel because new experience gives you newer insights and makes your life richer and more impactful. If you imagine 10 years from now in Friesland and you've been working hard with a thousand entrepreneurs for all of that time, what does it look like? How does the economy here work and what impact have you had? My, my biggest aim would be that, that I won't be necessary anymore. It is just the normal way of uh, entrepreneurship. And I think that's the, the thing we should aim, that it is normal to be aware of all the things of circularity to do it in a different way. And I think we are planting seeds now to do it that way. And some entrepreneurs or visitors are growing faster because I'm talking a lot about entrepreneurs, but the visitors have their own responsibility in this. I don't worry, I hear complaining from entrepreneurs that I want to do a waste collection and several waste bins, but visitors are just not doing it. They just throw it in one bin. So we all have to change on that level and that part. And I think if we make it 10 years that we're all aware and trying to do better, I'm not saying it's good, but try to do better, then it would be a good thing. You're doing very important work and I want you to get back to it with all the urgency. Thank you for sitting down with us and talking today. It's been really inspiring. But go back to work because we need more of you. Thank you very much. And we need more of all of it. The awareness is good. As Hanukkah mentions, the Circular Friesland organization has a close relationship with Merrick Friesland, essentially the local DMO. While Circular Friesland might be encouraging and facilitating entrepreneurship in the area, it's the DMO who tries to bring visitors in to learn more about it. 
Like with so many other discussions we've had in the Netherlands about Perspective 2030, defining a visitor of value is a theme that emerges here again. To dig into this more, Rodney grabbed a beer with Roger Davids, a strategic advisor with Merrick Friesland, to see what the future of sustainable travel might look like when you look at it through the unique perspective of this region. Roger Davids, and I'm responsible for strategy and research at uh, Merrick Friesland, which is the destination management organization of our province of Friesland. And can you tell me a little bit about the destination? It's a beautiful destination, and especially, I think, because of the, the landscape. You have a lot of space over here, compared to beautiful cities like Amsterdam or Rotterdam or The Hague. But it's very nearby. The water sports is developing very well and traveling by bike or by feet is amazing over here. And we've got the only UNESCO World Heritage in the Netherlands, the Wadensee area, which is a very interesting area to visit. And you've done a lot in tourism in your career. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey and what you've done? (laughs) I was the owner of a marketing agency where we, I think, we worked for more than 30 regions, mostly in the Netherlands, bigger cities, but also regions uh, like Friesland, other provinces. Where we first started uh, working for brands, we noticed when we worked for region that was a total other approach needed. So we thought, why is this campaign not working? And then we understood that it's a brand with, without an owner. Everybody is an owner. We really had to, to think about how to restructure the marketing of a destination. So instead of making a campaign, you give people a tool or tooling by which they can promote the destination. And they uh, want to be an ambassador. So that's, in, in a small recap, what we learned after doing this a few times totally wrong. And then we enjoyed it a lot, because if you have a lot of stakeholders, like in Friesland, you have to make choices how to position in your region. So you cannot tell everything, because then if you confuse them, you lose them, and you lose your positioning. And if you don't have a strong positioning, you cannot market it uh, very well. So that was yeah very interesting. And uh, by doing this also a few times in a successful way, we got new cases and, and that's how I was invited to look at a new strategy for the marketing of the tourism part of Friesland. I think that was 2016. And so you've been in your role here in Friesland for seven years? Yeah. And where do you see destination marketing and sustainability come together. How do you think about those two things? I think it comes together when you are not only looking at the economic part. It comes together when you think we are marketing for visitors and how do the inhabitants and nature prosper. So I think that's where where it meets and it becomes uh, a more sustainable way more valuable way of marketing, not only valuable into dollars or here in Europe, euros, but you also look at the well-being of nature, which is very important for a part like Friesland. We've got a lot of beautiful nature over here. And we also have a very strong culture in this province. 
So you also have to look how the inhabitants prosper from tourism. And in every decision we make, we have to think about if it's valuable enough to get more visitors to your province. And I think that's where it meets each other. What benefits can tourism bring beyond money? I think if we wouldn't have tourism in Friesland, then how many supermarkets would we have in the smaller uh, cities? How many people would have a health service in their neighborhood? So I think that's what we are not counting at the moment very often. But I think this is very valuable for the inhabitants of uh, Friesland, eh? that tourism brings them uh, extra services. And I think if we look at, at, at a very valuable way of visiting uh, our, our province, it also learns people more about nature. So I think this is what we really should focus on. So that's why I think it, it not only brings us an economic uh, value. How is nature intertwined with the Friesland brand? It's what well, we call it uh, Friesland style. So we show people how they can love cows, for example. Yeah, and that's a sort of way we show the landscape. Yeah, so people can think, now I'm living in a city, for example, and uh, my neighbor is two meters uh, right from me and six meters to the left of me. And in Friesland, I've got all the space so I can get new energy. So I think it's a good way to show them how they can get energy in, in Friesland and with a lot of space to enjoy, which they cannot experience anymore in the crowded cities. We drove over a very long seawall yeah. to get to Friesland and it was a, it's quite a, an amazing feat of engineering. And half of the Netherlands is quite low. Yeah, half yeah. of Friesland wouldn't be there if we wouldn't have that, that sort of techniques. There's a lot of talk of rising sea levels and changing climate. Yep. Do you think people are worried? Is it in the consciousness of people? I think if you would compare the Frisian with other provinces, I think they are much more aware of this. For example, the UNESCO World Heritage Wadden Sea, if the sea level is rising, then this gives us a lot of problems for the birds, etc. So I think a lot of people are really aware of this and also that, that it will change the landscape a lot. And not only because then, then you would have some problems with your house or something, but I think they are sensitive on this on a more broader sense, I'm sure. The Netherlands has a new strategy for tourism and it's bold and different and focuses on balancing the economic benefit with the social impacts and benefits of tourism and environmental impacts. What do you think of the new strategy? We think uh, that we are very happy with this new approach. And also because it shows that we are not only marketing for getting more tourists, but we need more valuable tourists. And to have this discussion, because in the Netherlands uh, we are living on a worldwide scale, we are living with a lot of people in a very small area. So this is a very important uh, discussion, how to use that area. And so I think it's very valuable that we have a new approach 
That's the first thing. And the second thing is that we have a discussion not only on marketing, but also on what kind of valuable tourism we want to develop and how we can monitor it on a valuable way. So it, it has broadened from marketing to available development of tourism and also monitoring. So we are very happy that we have a sort of understanding on a national scale how to approach this. And because it's a new approach, last years and the upcoming years, we will need to experience how to work together to get this new approach successful. What makes a valuable tourist? I think when it's valuable for the inhabitants and nature. And of course it has to be also a valuable asset economically, but before you look at the economic part, first ask yourself, is it interesting for the inhabitants to, to have more visitors in winter time, for example, or in, in another time where it's not high season? And why is it valuable? Is it valuable because they visit the supermarket and normally it's closed in winter time and now it's still open? Then I don't have to drive by bicycle because we are all driving by bicycle in the Netherlands. Five kilometers, no, it's 500 meters from my house. So that's that sort of services, health services. If we can keep a doctor in your small village because he can also or she can also work for the for the visitors then it's valuable for the inhabitants for example three years ago we did our first research on how the inhabitants are thinking about tourism which was quite interesting for us because it was the first time we ask them this sort of questions. Do you value uh, tourism and, and why not? And, and now next summer we will do a new research so we can monitor if, if it's changing. And most important is if it's changing, we really think together with all the stakeholders how to, uh, to get more value from the visitors. And the same is on nature. Yeah? So we have a beautiful landscape. But the biodiversity is not on every spot uh, on the same level anymore. For example, a lot of birds uh, flew over the, the Wadden Sea to eat. And we see that we have some problems in some areas. So we have to discuss with the nature organizations how to manage that, that we still can have visitors at some months or at some areas and how we can work together. And so I think it's important to have a good discussion between those stakeholders to, to look at uh, the most valuable way of getting the visitors at the right time, at the right spot. The Netherlands tourism strategy explores what it might be to be a regenerative tourism system and starts with decarbonisation first and aligns to national legislation around decarbonisation. There's not that many people really thinking or talking about tourism's impact on climate. What do you think of that? If you think about the next generation, 
that they owe the system. We are not owning the system. Yeah, we think we are owning it because we are at the moment the CEO or the boss or something like that. Uh, but we own uh, the destination uh, for our children. And so I think our children own the destination, not we. So if you think that way on a destination, then the decisions you make are more valuable. You, you just consider it on a different perspective. And in Friesland, we have a lot of circular and sustainable initiatives, not because we only want to be sustainable, but a lot of people in Friesland look at the future for their children more. They are more aware of this. What behavior change is needed? You have to be aware because otherwise I, I don't have to talk with you. If you're not aware that we are destroying uh, our Earth, you are not aware and you're still saying that it's just a period for 40 years, 100 years, and we own the problem. So that's the first thing. So I think we still have to make a lot of people aware of the problem. That's where we start. And I think if we manage that firstly 5% and then and in the end 20-25% in my opinion the system goes in the right direction. And at the moment I think in the Netherlands we are heading for that 5 to 10% to of people that are really aware. And I hope that in Friesland we show uh, how to do this. We are not at that, that stage at the moment. But, for example, we, we uh, signed the Glasgow Declaration and at the moment I believe we are the only regional destination management organization who, who did sign it, but there will be more in the next year. So I think if, if we show how to deal with it, then we will motivate also others, firstly in Friesland, but hopefully also in other regions in Europe in the Netherlands, how to deal with it. And we can learn a lot from other regions. We are not the only ones that are exploring this. Because it's an exploration. Because, to be honest, we also are looking what role can we take as a destination management organization to be effective? And what role do we ask the government? Can they focus on the right themes? Not only the, the the regional government, but also the local government. And, and because they are the ones that can look at a certain focus and then organizations like Merrick Friesland, they have to do the work together with the other stakeholders to get a more sustainable form of tourism. In destination marketing, we have a lot of influence. We tell stories and we help people to have different experiences. What role do you think our industry can play in helping to accelerate the tipping point that you describe? In the end, I think uh, we have to show. So firstly, I was talking about awareness eh, and how we can show people what kind of interest they have in doing this more sustainable. And I think if we show them by piloting how this works, then I think uh, step by step, a lot of people, we can motivate them uh, to follow these sort of examples. 
So I think, uh, firstly, we have to show, for example, that we market in the, not in the high season. So that other DMOs say, why are you not marketing? And that we get a discussion. Eh? But on another level, here we are on, on, in a place, the LAPE, which shows how to have another business model as a farmer. I think it's important that we show, for example, the governments, how we work together with agro-tourism, how we work together with farmers, how does this work? How can we work together with the cultural partners? How can we work together with technical partners? We have lots of technology. I think it's interesting that we develop a sort of business visitors where we show them how good we are at sustainable water technology, sustainable agriculture, on sustainable plastics, etc., etc. And if we can have interesting conventions about these strong themes in Friesland, a lot of people in Friesland themselves will think, I can still stay in Friesland because it's a war on talent in Europe. In, in the Netherlands, so we want to have not only the theoretical students, but also the practical uh, students. In a community or a destination that has collective thinking and environmental consciousness in its DNA, how do you reconcile those values with the priorities of business stakeholders who need more tourists and maybe have come through COVID, right? There's that very difficult tension to manage in your role and for your organization. How do you think about that? I think it's important to sit on the same table. And then in this region, I think a lot of people will come up with a sort of same strategy. And of course, if you are an entrepreneur, you also look at the economic part, which is also important. But not only at the economic part. So I think it's important to, to get them together and with the starting point of a few entrepreneurs and a few people in the government, you have to start with, with a group which is showing how to deal with it. And in my opinion, if you have a region where you have a strong leadership, which develops enough serious pilots and serious best practices, then I think you, you get a lot of people motivated to follow. This has been Travel Beyond, presented by Destination Think. And you just heard from Linda Limber at Delapa, Hanukkah Schmang from the Circular Friesland Association, Roger Davids with Merrick Friesland, and the Bugs, vacationing in the Bug Hotels. We'll include links to more resources on the blog for this episode at destinationthink.com. This episode has been produced and has theme music composed by David Archer. Lindsay Payne, Annika Rautiola, and myself, Sarah Raymond Dubois, provided production support. We would like to thank NBTC, the Netherlands Board of Tourism and Conventions, for their support in creating this podcast season with us and for sharing their vision with all of you. You can help more people find this show by subscribing to future episodes and by leaving a rating and review. On our next and final episode of the Netherlands series, we're wrapping up by speaking with a few organizations putting theory into practice and providing solutions that will help NBTC's plan come to life. See you then.